implementation function, um, I think, is going through a, through a we call it a reimagining. You could, I guess you could call it an overhaul, uh, if you'd like. Um, and the, the, the overall is is driven by two things. The first one is uh, we had a global evaluation of our of our uh, function of innovation two years back, which essentially was saying you're doing many many things right, and it's very exciting, um, but maybe you're not as disciplined as you could be to really drive results for children. Um, that's the summary of it. And then the second really, and the most important uh, driver of this <coughs> really is the fact that uh, we're not progressing on children as fast as we need if we want to reach the SDGs. And we are very clear with this in our anticipation of the next strategic plan that UNICEF is focused on the next four years of our, of our action. We're essentially saying before COVID, children were way behind in terms of the progress for children and uh, in, in, in enabling us to reach the SDGs. That's why we had agreed on a decade of action. Post-COVID, it's actually a lot worse, a lot worse, right? We're talking about 1.6 billion children having been affected by school closure. We're talking about 463 million children without remote learning, 150 million more in poverty than before and 200 million people likely to be displaced due to climate change and be and, and less income because of COVID. So, is it means we need to do innovation in ways that we have not been for. We need to really be a lot more disciplined, a lot more focused, a lot more driven, um, and resource innovation uh, in ways that we have not been for, taking it to the next level. So what do you mean more discipline? Because you are using many, uh, you know, back office systems. You are very good at the logistics, right? Working with UN agencies as well to deliver services in emergency and crisis situations quite rapidly and well, right? Uh, but what do you mean by discipline now? Because maybe there is too much available software and, and, and new things and new ways and new toys, new shiny toys. And, and it's like choosing better or it, explain a bit what do you mean by discipline? So you're correct. We're, and it's discipline around innovation, right? It's, it's saying innovation is amazing. Uh, and before we, we essentially had a, a mindset that was let, let the 1,000 flowers bloom. Any innovation is good innovation. Part of what we're trying to say here now is, which problems are real problems for children in the world and where, where progress is insufficient and we need to resolve that progress. So for instance, learning outcomes for children, access to education and learning outcomes for children. That's one big, big problem today. Okay, so we've defined nine big problems and we've defined essentially these problems very carefully about these are issues for children, bottlenecks that are preventing the reach of SDGs. And we're now saying, okay, we're going to drive our energy or focus our skills to resolving these problems in a more disciplined manner. And so part of what we're now saying is, if we design a solution, it needs to bring added value against that problem that we've defined. We've defined nine key thematics. Let's now go full on to resolving the solutions in these nine key thematics. And what are these key thematics? So let me see if I don't forget any of them, but it's essentially <laughs> education and learning outcome water and sanitation, climate change and environmental impact, maternal, maternal and neonatal mortality, immunization, lack of coverage, young people and their participation, their meaningful participation in society, humanitarian action, healthcare, um, no, sorry, um, uh, mental health, 
Right, and, because so many children after conflict, they are in, in situations where they need that kind of support right away, right? Exactly. So we've defined these nine. And, and in my team now, the focus is we're having portfolio of solutions that are defined everywhere in UNICEF. Maybe Nicaragua is doing something on young people and, and India is doing something else on young people. And so part of my team's remit is to say, Two things. One is one solution bringing a better option in terms of solution for children that we could then move to scale, that we should tell all of UNICEF, now you're using this solution because it, it helps us move the needle faster. And two, can we use tech to accelerate in a massive way these solutions? Can we use machine learning, AI, natural language processing, drones, blockchain technology? Can we do that in a way that really Uh, you know, makes this this pace of change accelerate massively. I see. Yes, there are so many good things that you do already, I believe, with drones, right, for delivery of vaccines, for instance, with refrigerated uh, um, um, recipients that are needed in some remote places. I remember seeing last year, I think it was just after uh, an earthquake uh, somewhere in um, Asia, I believe it was, that you had to, you know, the opportunity to test for the first time and it worked beautifully. It was a remote area. There was, there was no way that you could arrive in time with uh, by roads, even if the roads were available and you tried the drones and the drones worked beautifully too. So there are so many you know, wonderful opportunities in terms of new technologies, both hardware and software as well, right? Another thing that I'd like to speak about is like, how do you go about partnerships with the private sector? I know Microsoft is doing something called the, the learning passport, right? Which works in some, and I don't know if it's under your remit as well, but because uh, one does realize nowadays that the UNICEF is really spread out regionally. You know, you are in conflict zones and you are in developing and least developed, developed countries. So, of course, perhaps not all programs can reach out at the same time. There are many initiatives happening simultaneously. But can you tell us a little bit about initiatives such as the Learning Passport or another one that's similar in outcome looking in, the, in terms of learning and bringing children to the digital age at the same time that they continue to have their offline skills uh, being taken care of. Absolutely. And that's, that's, a great, that's a great example because it connects with multiple kind of initiatives and innovations, uh, um, which are quite exciting, I think, not just for UNICEF, but for the world, hopefully. Um, first, the learning passport. The learning passport really comes back to... Um, that crisis for children, and, and that was even before COVID, you know, we, we have a learning crisis in the world. About, you know, um, over 400 million of children are not in school. And more importantly, half of those in schools don't learn much, to be honest, even pre-COVID. Uh, and that's a massive crisis. And in order to respond to that, we have launched what we call an initiative, a global initiative, not, not alone with many other partners around Reimagine Education. The reimagining education is to, is to say all children should have access to adequate learning outcomes, and particularly world-class digital um, content that we should be making available through connected schools. Children should have access to devices. They should have access to that content. 
Um, and then we should connect them with opportunities and life skills to prepare them for the future. And so part of that, Microsoft really stepped into that initiative and said, hey, we want to help with this. We, we are very keen. Uh, we want to support this. We were very keen already to support UNICEF in providing education to children in humanitarian crisis. This is where we've been working with Microsoft a lot on this. And they, they said, we want to expand our, our learning passport model, which was essentially, you know, unconnected children. Can they still work on a digital curriculum? And now we've expanded that massively to discuss, you know, how can we digitalize the, the, a curriculum in a way that a child can learn whether or not his school is connected, he or she has a laptop or, 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 or an iPad. We can do that. And, and, and we've worked very, very well with Microsoft around uh, making sure that these resources are available, even if you have a bad connection. You were talking about your slow connection. And so <laughs> the idea is that we've made sure that, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to be connected at some point uh, for the, the content to come into your computer, but then you can work and then it's just uploaded on the system. And now what we're doing with this is we're trying to now add elements of machine learning to that. In other words, that, you know, if you're a little Mohammed and you're doing very well in mathematics, but not so good in English, then the machine can help tell the teacher, hey, Mohammed is, do is doing great in math. Don't worry about him and math, but focus on English because that's where he struggles. And Leila is the other way around. She's doing fine in English, but she's struggling on, on math. And so we are hoping to then build the tools of today to take these kids into the future, really. Yes, that sounds like it's working quite well. Do you have also programs um, in um, with Giga Connect already too? They are part of because uh, they sort of weave together very nicely, right? It's content and uh, uh, pedagogical tools with um, um, the learning passport, which children can move around if they need to. Uh, they can take it with them, and there is this nice combination of offline and online. But Giga is about the connectivity because we do need the connectivity and. We are realizing that so many schools do not have, either because conflict or, or extreme weather events have caused uh, disruption or because simply there is, they don't have yet, right? I mean, we have it's still uh, uh, broadband connection problems in, in developed economies, right? Rural U.S. I think it was Brad Smith, the uh, vice president of Microsoft, was, uh, wrote a book actually saying, you know, this is a major challenge we have in front of us. And, you know, in, in Europe, too, it's the same. I see and when I travel, you know, so remote areas or rural areas is not as good. So tell us what, the, what is the role of Giga Connect in this, uh, in this um, mix up and ad advancing the projects? Sure, Giga is essentially a key pillar of that reimagining education global initiative. And it's essentially saying if you want kids to have access to this digital content, well, they need to be connected. And the ones who are most in need of this digital content are quite often the ones that are not connected. That's as basic as that, right? It's always, it's the story of the world. Is the rich get richer, the better children, the children with the better, the better resources are living in communities that are better connected. And those with least resource are living in communities that are not connected. So that's the story of the world. It, it's the true in many, many countries. And so what we did was we established Giga as one of the pillars to say, so one of the key priorities as for this pillar is very simple and very basic, but so important. Connect all schools to internet. So that we, through that, connect all children through learning, right? And so that's, that's the big, big, big ambition of GIGA. 
And in order to do that, we are working with ITU, the, the, uh, the telecommunication union, for, which is another UN agency, and many other partners, private sector partners, partners of telecoms, governments, to try to say, okay, how do we do that? How do we even anticipate how many schools need to be connected? And so we developed several really brand new tools. One is satellite and remote sensing. So we've, we've essentially done a, a series of algorithms that allow us to look at satellite pictures we recognize what a school construct is, and we are able to help governments actually map out where all their schools are. That's one thing that we do, and we're doing it very, very well. We are now mapped more than 900,000 schools in the world, um, and you know we are we're building about about a new hundred thousand every other month or so through this kind of automated machine learning, which is very powerful. The second mm -hmm. element that we are doing is we are now building machine learning and blockchain system that allow us to actually monitor in real time whether a school is connected. And so you have a very simple system of, uh, you know, a green, orange, red kind of visible button on a map. And if you're a Ministry of Education, then you can know exactly where all your maps are, all your, all your schools are on, on your map of your country. And you can see in real time, is my school connected, not connected or badly connected? Uh, and so it's very simple, it's very powerful, and it's a very, we find it's a very, it's a great advocacy tool because it enables a minister of, of, of education or a prime minister to say, you know, why are 40% of my schools not connected? Or why do I have bad connections when I've been paying a service provider to give great connection to schools? So it, it allows a measure of authenticity and also of accountability. So how do you yeah. work with the telecoms too? Well, or is that the role of ITU that comes uh, to play? How do no, you bring work, them on board? We work very much together. So part of how we work as UNICEF, as, as you know us quite well, we normally start with the government and saying, hey, we have a solution that can help you essentially bring services to your children. It's in your interest because we know that if you're if you educate a child, the impact on your GDP is massive, right? So it has a direct correlation to your national economy, to the future of your country. So it's a win-win. And so we normally try to engage the Minister of Education and we say, we're doing this together. We can help you technically as well. We then normally help them create essentially tenders as you would have tenders for 4G or 5G. We create tenders for connecting schools. And then we offer the technology that, we, that we've that we developed together with ITU around the monitoring of that. And many, many ministries are very keen because it gives them exactly as you pointed out, it gives them a great tool to say, hey, I've, I've paid $200 million to get all of these schools connected. Now I expect that connection to be good. I don't want to hear that it's a five megabyte by, by second. <laughs> I want to hear it's a 500 megabyte by second. Um, <laughs> and so those are very, very powerful. And we are even now anticipating and imagining the next step. And the next step is to use blockchain to, to enable a minister of education to say, okay, so now I know that this school is connected. Now I have sent a budget of X thousand dollars to enable the school to have the appropriate, essentially computers or you know smart TV or, or whatnot to enable digital content. But I've sent it with blockchain, which means that you have in real time the ability to know the money has arrived, how much of that money has been spent or not spent and for what. And so again, it's another layer um, you know, of, of visibility and accountability process, which of course Wrong. means it's, yeah. it's impossible that, to corrupt. It's, it's immediate, it's real time, and it's an amazing tool. 
Indeed, indeed. Yes, we have so many tools that make accountability, which is so important, right? In in this kind of transactions and in post conflict zones, sometimes too. Um, so, uh, what uh, what is the, uh, in the pipeline for the coming months? Anything that you want to announce already, or that you can tell us about already? Yeah. To, uh, um, so, so maybe two things. One, uh, really structural um, and. Um, um, it's it's coming along, but but so part of what we're trying to do is, you know, we're saying from a UNICEF perspective, if we want to change the world, then we need to have more partners. And so part of what we're trying to say is we're trying to take this portfolio, these nine key areas of thematic that we've defined and say, can we create a global leadership, uh, thought leadership center that will really, you know, be in a given member state that will really focus on what are the best solutions for children that are being done anywhere in the world by whoever. It doesn't matter if it's UNICEF, Save the Children, UNESCO, the University of Montreal. We want to know if you have a better solution than what we're doing. We want to know about it. We want to test it. We want to bring it to scale. So that we're trying to build kind of a network, a mosaic of nine key global leader on innovations for children. And we're looking for global partners. We're getting a little bit of, um, of interest from a number of member states. And so mm -hmm. it's very exciting because I think it may potentially change the, the pace and the resources that we are going to change this and really make everybody believe and, and see that what we want is not for UNICEF to shine. We want children to shine. And so any good idea is going to be welcome in this kind of global leadership hub which is part of what um, I'm very excited about. I think it's going to be a game changer for how we change the world for children together with any partner that is interested from government to private. Or so a, a, a university, perhaps, no? Um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and a government in that uh, country, which the university is located, perhaps, would be sort of a think tank place, right? Kind of That's thing. Exactly it. Could be, That's exactly yeah. it. Maybe yeah. What is so strong, I think, in the message is to say it's not about UNICEF, it's about children. So whoever has a better idea than us, we want to hear about it. We want to taste it. We want to get it to scale. So so I'm, I'm quite excited about that. The other bit is really, um, I think we are, you know, before we we dabbled in, in a, a range of new tech. Um, and, and I'm so proud. And it's not nothing to do with me. It's my predecessor and their teams before me. They've done so many things, right? They've, they've tested drones. Um, recently, a few months before I arrived, we worked with Kazakhstan on establishing, uh, I don't know if you heard about that, a satellite, um, a satellite kind of mini university specifically dedicated to girls. And so we demonstrated that in a country like Kazakhstan, which is not known to be very advanced, we built, um, we, we enabled girls to build satellites themselves from scratch. Oh, yes, I heard of that. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so that's, that's just fantastic. Mm -hmm. Last year, we, we established the first crypto fund, innovation fund uh, in the UN. There were, that's the first UN agency doing that. Uh, we are now using blockchain and crypto to enable um, you know, a range of contracts. So there's so many things happening. Part of what we now want to do is we, we want to use AI, machine learning, NLG, all of these new tech to really build solutions that we're going to use in all the sectors that we work on. So if I'm working on health, I want to know, you know, do I really need to, to visit a health center? Could I maybe have some applications in my phone that actually enables technology to tell me, well, you, yes, what are your symptoms? Yes, you're probably sick. 
but you know this is not quite this is not quite grave it's probably just a flu uh, and that's okay you don't need to see a doctor you can save money to not see the doctor you can also save the ability of the ministry of health to to have this this cost as well so a number of ways that we want to really build these systems in the the day-to-day life of all of the citizens that currently don't have access to them Indeed, telehealth is a great area, no? That uh, so much can be done, right? We are seeing already with COVID, it has been quite helpful, no, not having to go to see a doctor. And uh, Google actually just yesterday launched something which was skin conditions, right? That That's pretty cool, right? And there's so much more that can be done. And that's, that's where I think UNICEF maybe has a role alongside, not alone, but alongside WHO and others, because there's so many things happening together, right? Today, for instance, you know that if you have a Fitbit watch, the Fitbit watch just monitoring your cardiac rhythm is probably able to anticipate whether you have COVID or not ahead of the test. On average... That's that right, works. because the, the change in the rhythm, right, of your heartbeat. Exactly. And so there's so many solutions that are already happening. And so part of my challenge and the challenge I think of of anybody working on this is to say, let's just bring these solutions into a package that is easy to use for the Mr. Everyone and and, and benefits these children. So that's really what excites me in using this new technology. Same for education, right? We now have technology that we are testing from UNICEF that helps children who have um, hearing deficiencies or (laughs) autism to learn just because we've designed machine learning and projects that actually enables these children to learn differently. And the machines never get tired of of teaching a child that is struggling, right? They contrary Mm -hmm. to a teacher. So we're using technology in a way that enables the teachers to be able to do their work the best they can and children to be acknowledged in their own adaptive learning pathway and journey. There's so many things that we can use tech for. Indeed, indeed. And so much that, you know, you're doing for the local economies, right? But that's also one of the drivers of the Giga Connect project, right? You are not just working with the children and bringing them to the digital age, but you are also working with the teachers, with the communities around it, which I think is quite interesting, right? That's so correct. Th- We're looking at schools. We, we believe that once you connect a school, you connect a community. Once you connect a community, suddenly everything changes, Right. It's quite clear that the schools are the heart of many, many of these communities. And it's quite likely that if the school is not connected, that the community is not connected either. And once you bring connectivity to that village, then you change their lives um, and you change their economy and their ability to be more, more productive, to have access to you know, many more economic options. And so, you know, it has multiple win-win um, impacts. You have been with uh, the UNICEF for quite a while, right? At least, what, t- 10 years, 20 years? I am a dinosaur with UNICEF. (laughs) You're super young. You started young. But you have been always in in Asia. No, I've been always in the field. Uh, Asia is my last position, but I've been always in the field. Um, I've been uh, many times in in, uh, Eastern Europe. I went to Kosovo, Romania, Hungary, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Middle East for 12 years. And now only now for the last uh, six years in, in Southeast Asia. Oh, I see. I see. I thought you were most of the time in Asia, but it is it is an amazing career. You have seen a lot of uh, changes, I imagine, in terms of new technologies being adopted, right? For sure, for sure. But it's not fast enough. So I think, you know, we that's part of why 
I love my job is I think the, 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 the realm of possibilities is incredible and it's endless. And it's just for us to seize ourselves of it, um, working again with the UN system, not just as UNICEF. We're working very closely with WFP, with UNDP, with, with WHO on, on many of the initiatives. We're trying to share the knowledge and the learning so that the UN as a community um, you know, works faster and, and gets into the 22nd century, uh, frog leaping the 21st. <laughs> Indeed. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Wonderful. Very nice to meet you and to speak with you. Yeah.